you know, I don't care what claim it is. There's always good days and bad days in it. At the end of the day, we knew that somehow someone was going to step up. So our job is to calm you and let you know there's light at the end of this tunnel. It's not a train. We're going to get there together. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here. Heather Marchant is not with us today, but I have a special guest today that I've already kind of talked about. And so I'd like to, we're going to jump right into this because we've got a lot of things to cover Michael Fusco, welcome to the show, my friend. Ron, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Man, this is so like a week or two ago, I just talked about this crazy fire and I kind of led up to the point where I met you. And so I want to talk about how I met you and all that. But let me first start by introducing who you are and and your company and everything like that. So I didn't even know that what you do existed until my building burned down. So for everybody else out there who never has even heard of such a thing, I want to make sure I get this right. You are a public adjuster, right? Correct. Public insurance adjuster. I keep wanting to call you a private adjuster because you actually worked for my company for me, which in my world, it seems private, but it's not. So public adjuster is someone that you go hire to work on your behalf and you actually represent whoever your client is, right? Correct. So, and the reason they call it public adjuster is that it's a license that is issued by, I think it's 48 out of 50 states. And so insurance adjusters represent insurance companies, and then they have a category called independent adjusters, and they can represent any insurance company. And then they have a category called public adjusters, and we represent the public. So it is kind of misleading in that we're your private adjuster, but as the state recognizes us and licenses us as public insurance adjusters to represent the public as opposed to insurance companies. So Michael has been in this business. His company is called World Claim, and he's been in the business since Moses was a little boy. It's been a long time. Since you were 19 years old, this is a family business. Your father did this business before you, correct? That's correct. Yep. Longstanding. Yeah. And tell you all that background, guys, to help you understand, like Michael's been doing this for a long time. And if you guys will just go back a little ways and remember the feeling that you would have had if you called your insurance company when your building is burning down and they told you you don't don't have insurance or whatever problem you have when you file a claim, when you call someone like Michael, it's nice to have somebody on the other end of the phone who absolutely gets exactly what's happening and knows what to do. So this is where the story starts to kind of get good, Michael. I was introduced to you by a broker friend, mutual acquaintance, and pretty much every day after that, thanked God that I did. Because right after I talked, actually, when I was on the phone with you, I don't know if you recall, but I was a little, I'm not even sure what the right word is to describe how I was feeling when I called you. Well, from my side of it, I thought you were extraordinarily calm because you were literally saying, I'm standing here watching my building burn down and I just don't even know what to do next. And I said, well, you know, I introduced briefly what we did and, you know, you were trying to manage getting to your building and uh, taking care of your team and doing all the things that you need to do. 
and trying to talk to a stranger who you had never talked to. And, I, and you had this same intonement in your voice. So I, I, from my side of it, I was thinking, wow, that's a pretty cool cat who's in the <laughs> middle of this mess and is staying pretty calm. Well, I'm glad that it came off that way internally. I was like on fire. I was like going, oh my gosh. I think by the time I called you, I realized no one was hurt. And that really did give me some calm because I'm like, okay, the rest of this is just now we're financial. So, you know, nobody got hurt. And that, I mean, this is a 55 plus community, it's a senior housing facility. So the fact that nobody got hurt is an absolute miracle. And I talked a little bit about why that happened before. Just fantastic team, fantastic people there helping out. But now the reality has hit me that I don't have insurance, that I've never done anything like this before. And it is compoundedly, it's more difficult because now I have two companies that are going to be fighting with each other and I don't know what to do. And so when I called you, this isn't your first rodeo. Apparently, I'm not the only person this has ever happened to, Michael. So, No, that's true. And when you went through the gambit of the general emotions, right? And I try to boil it down to a very simple thing. When you pick up the phone and you call your insurance company, everybody's thinking the same thing, right? How much? You know, how much am I going to get, right? Yep. And when the insurance adjuster and the insurance company picks up the phone on the other end, you know what they're thinking? They're how thinking if, no, they're thinking if I'm going to pay you, right? Yeah. Do I have to pay you? And that was solely and squarely the first hurdle we had to get over with you, right? Well, in my mind, the answer to that was clearly you're screwed because <laughs> she told me you don't have insurance because, you know, your mortgage company didn't make the, your servicer didn't make the payment. And I don't recall whether I had called the servicer before I called you or it was after I called you, but it was pretty clear that I had a really uphill battle here because the servicer is basically saying, well, actually on the first phone call I had with them, they said it was their fault. Like they admitted to it on the phone. And then in subsequent conversations, it was obviously that she was talking to higher ups and they were going, no, no, we're not paying this either. And then it was kind of like, nobody's paying this claim, right? So I've got, I got a huge amount of damage over on this building, seven figures easy, and nobody wants to help me. Right. And so, you know, I tell everybody, you know, there's three like main components that determine how much you get paid in any claim. I don't care how big it is or where it is. And this is the Mike Fusco axiom, right? The first and the most important is the insurance policy, what's covered and what's not, right? And or if you have insurance. So that's one of the first questions that we have to wrestle with. And that is in black and white, right? Nobody can change that. To a person, I have found that everybody would like to buy more insurance the day they find out that they have a loss. (laughs) (laughs) Or just have some, Michael. I mean, in my case, I just wanted some. That's all. Now, you were in a unique situation, and we knew when we first spoke that we were going to have somebody cover it. The question was who and when, right? Yep. And, you know, your major concern is I'm the injured party. I just want to get back into business. Somebody needs to step to the plate, right? Yep. So we had to start shaking that. We took that box and turned it over and shook it. And when you deal with insurance companies and you have in your personal and private life, every letter you get from an insurance company is a form letter. And it always says the same thing in the last paragraph. And that last paragraph is that, you know, we 
meaning the insurance company, demand strict adherence to the terms and conditions of our policy. And we don't waive any of our defenses within the policy, right? Everything in front of that is, you know, specific to what you're talking about. But that paragraph is boilerplate. Well, as public adjusters, we're trained to review the policy and to look out for our client and find the clauses that can expand coverage and or limit so that moving into the claim, you know, we understand what hurdles and pitfalls collectively we have to go through. And then we get into the second and third portions of the claim process, which we'll talk about in a minute, and we'll navigate that. So in your case, right, the strict adherence to the insurance contract paid off because when an insurance company goes to cancel your policy, they have to send you in writing a 10-day notice to say your policy's canceled. So had you got that, you could have called your mortgage servicer and said, hey, not only did I pay you, but I have been paying you every month. And here's the receipts and get on the phone to my yep. insurance company and tell them, find my checks, right? Yep. When they realized that they did not send out the proper notification, and then we, as your representative, and demanded strict adherence to the terms and conditions, they realized, hey, we got to pay Ron, okay? And so that was getting over the first hurdle of the if we're going to pay you. And now they said, we have to pay you. Then where the claim then went from there is it kind of slowed down because there was an investigation as to the cause and the origin. And when there is an investigation like that, your tenants all, I think we're filing uh, personal claims, right? Yep. So every insurance company that's involved gets notified, hey, you have potential exposure. So they set up a date to do this investigation, the cause and origin, and then they invite everybody there. Because if they don't invite everybody there, they violate the scene, they, the evidence is gone, it spoils somebody else's opportunity to potentially collect based on the cause of the fire and terms and conditions of their policy. So, you know, hey, the good news is we got coverage. Bad news is you can't do anything with the site until we get all the king's horses and all the king's men out here to take a look. And so that- yeah, And, and if you'll recall, there was a huge time gap in between the fire and when we actually finally got the insurance company to say, yeah, okay, we'll do this and we'll sign you an adjuster. And, yeah, so, and so, then go through the process you just talked about. I mean, this was, I don't even know how many weeks this was. It, it was a no, long, it wasn't long time. Weeks. It was months. Your loss was on the 7th of October, right? Yep. And we went through and got the investigation. The investigation was plated or scheduled and attended on January 12th. Yeah, it is insane. Insane. It's absolutely insane. Right. And this whole time, you got to understand, like, guys, when I arrive on the scene, now, Usually, owner's not there. This is crazy that I was there. It was crazy that I had my whole team there. All of that was nuts. But when I get there, everybody's asking me, everybody's asking me for my adjuster's name, my insurance, all this stuff. And I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm going, I don't know who any of those people are because they just told me I don't have any insurance, right? So I've got the fire marshal there asking me for all of this stuff right? So that they can finish up their investigation that they're doing on the origins of the fire. Very quickly, I was able to get them 
Michael's number, which was nice because I actually had an adjuster. They didn't assign me an adjuster, I don't think, until that until January. Correct. Right? I mean, like I didn't I didn't even have any adjuster from any other company. Correct. We were in conversation with the insurance company's personnel. We had contacts on the other side because we had to coordinate the investigation and so on and so forth. But that was with the investigative aspect of the insurance company and not the, the payment guys, the adjusters. Right. right. So you're right with that. Yeah. This was so crazy, guys. So meanwhile, I've just got this shell of a building sitting there and you know, I've taken all of this time then they do their guys get to understand like the whole time I have nobody. And not only are we dealing with them, Michael, if you recall, we're dealing with the E&O insurance company from the servicer, because at this point, we don't even know who's going to cover this thing. It's just a matter of who and when, like you said earlier, somebody was going to, but you also introduced me to an attorney in case I needed them. Right. Which, you know, thank God we didn't get that far down the road. Right. But I was in communication with a referred attorney in Memphis. The whole time, all I remember is that every time that something came up, you knew exactly what to do and you knew exactly who to call and which buttons needed to be pushed to be able to make it work. That's what I remember. Well, I appreciate that because I always tell my team that, you know, we're the professionals in the room, right? We've been through it before. And, and, you know, I don't care what claim it is. There's always good days and bad days in it. You know, here's something you don't want. Hey, you don't have insurance. But at the end of the day, looking 30,000 foot view, we knew that somehow someone was going to step up. So our job is to, you know, calm you and and let you know, look, there's light at the end of this tunnel. It's not a train. We're going to get there together, but there's a process. And this process, you know, has uh, good days and bad days. Now, for all of you out there who are going, my gosh, if I was ever in a similar situation, I probably would call somebody like Michael. Interestingly enough, we sat down and had uh, breakfast together not too many weeks ago. And I remember asking you, I'm like, well, so like, what kind of claim do you guys work on? Because, I mean, this is, a, this is an enormous claim, right? And it's a really complicated claim. And you're like, yeah, I mean, when you have a claim, you can call us and we'll, we'll represent you. And subsequently, we've done another claim. I, I really wish I didn't have two in this, in this, <laughs> in this many months, right? right? But I did. And, you know, the crazy thing is, Michael, I think we had just gotten done with that one because that was in January. We closed on this other property in February. We threw, I threw you another one. And I think we had barely gotten the first payoff from the first one that, and here's the other thing I think I should say, Tommy on your staff is still following up with me to make sure that things during demo and reconstruction are going right. Because the other thing that I think a lot of people I didn't know is I thought when you get the check, that's what you get. It's not true. Um, as you're going through this, there are other things that may come up during the construction process that weren't already adjudicated, right? That you can relitigate with the insurance company. And those terms are probably completely wrong, but. Right. Well, let me help you. So you're right. So I tell, again, it goes back to the claim process, right? The three components of a claim, but the first and the most important is the insurance policy. And in a lot of times, the insurance company will suggest to you that we're going to send you a check and we would like you to give us a release. Well, you know, nowhere in that policy does it say that you have to release the insurance company at all. 
right? Because as you go through, as good as we all are, we're professionals and, and everybody involved is a professional and even the insurance company side, things could come up. And in your case, one of the things that could come up is code-related items that fall under a portion of the policy known as ordinance and law. And you don't know that until you actually go through the permitting process and then the fire department and the city and the town you know, hand you back your red line plans and say, you have to do this. And then when you find that out, we have to go back out and price that all, get it all uh, scoped and priced, and then send it back into the insurance company. And then they will give us an additional payment. And so that's why there's no motivation to get rid of a partner, that, if you want to call the, the insurance company a partner, who owes you money until you know that you're back in business and you don't have to come out of your pocket. Yeah. Which guys, again, I've been in real estate now for over two decades and I've never, until you go through this process, I don't think there's any way that you can understand it. And you know, now I know quite a bit more than I did before about how the process works. And yet here I am in another situation where it's kind of complicated and you know, your team is once again, going above and beyond trying to help me navigate this other crazy situation. And this situation, I mean, it's not quite done, but it, it pretty much is. But man, we were closing on a property and then there was a storm, like literally two days before we closed, which then needed to have insurance and the insurance policy that would do that is the sellers, but we were closing. So he can't get the money. And so we were having to work with his insurance company that isn't obviously isn't ours. There's another bank involved that had previously been paid off, right? Because we closed on the property. All of this crazy stuff is happening on something that is so simple. It's seemingly so simple. And yet there's so many weird things that can come up where if I were doing this by myself, I'm not sure I would know what to even do in some of these situations. My partner and I both have been in real estate for a long time. And this new one, again, I think the law changed or something and we have to get a payoff letter from the bank. The bank's saying they won't give us one because they didn't work for us. They work for the other guy, for the seller. I mean, just nuts, crazy stuff, right? I can't get the check because they were going to cut the check to the other bank that doesn't even have a lien on the property anymore. And the seller, even though we have an agreement that says that it's supposed to be ours, it's nuts, crazy yeah, stuff. And, and it's all, you know, the devil, as they say, is always in the details, right? And in that case, the nuts part of it is, so when you have a fire, pardon me, when you have an insurance claim, you've now gone through two of what they call the perils, you know, like the perils of Pauline in the old days, right? Yep. So you had a fire and now you've had a wind damage claim, right? So those are two different perils that click coverage into your policy. And then the coverage has to be interpreted. And then you have to go out and then you enter into what's the second component of the claim process, which is called the scope of the work, right? So in the interesting part about your win claim in terms of the scope of the work is that the insurance company acknowledged that you had wind damage to your property, but they said that it was repairable because you had a three-tab uh, shingle roof, right? right? And so, you know, you can go out, Ron, and you can repair those shingles, and we're only going to repay you to repair 10 shingles on slope one of building one, four shingles on slope two of building two, and so on and so on and so on. Okay, well, that's all well and good. And then we did some research and we found out, yeah, those shingles aren't available. So how the heck are we going to repair something when the product's not available? 
And so the adjuster we were dealing with on site, it's above his pay grade, right? And he just couldn't get it in his head what we were talking about. So yeah. after one conversation with a guy like that, you can just see his eyes glazing over, right? So my associate, Tommy, and I went to the head office of the insurance company, talked to the claim manager and said, hey, you know, we have a replacement cost policy. If those products are not available, then you owe me for all of the roofs. And the claim manager took a look through, took a look at our data, took a look at our research and verified it with his people because they have something called the ITEL. And ITEL is this national company that researches materials. And he says, you know what? Mike Fusco and his guys are right. That stuff's not available. You own for everything. So once we got over the scope, which is that second component, we get to the third component of the claim in both of these, and that's the price. And so what we were able to do then is to get the insurance company to pay you the market rate for your roof loss. And that's one of those other wives tales, right? You know, any of your friends and clients and and podcast listeners, you know, they've always heard, go out and get three bids, right? You've heard that. Yep. Would you be shocked to know that, that in the insurance policy, that first document, the most important document, nowhere in it does it say you have to get three bids. Nowhere. Yep. It's just become a It's I call it custom over contract. You know, the adjuster just says, well, if he doesn't know any better, I'm just going to tell him to go get three bids, right? Well, again, as the public's representative, we demand in return strict adherence to the terms and conditions of the insurance policy, right? So the insurance policy says, hey, if my peril, my wind or my fire is covered, then you need to pay me at today's rate to replace everything I lost. Give me the check, thank you very much, and let me go down my merry way to try to figure out how to spend it. Because what they would like to do is to jump into your seat, because what the adjuster typically will say something is, Ron, who's your contractor? Let me talk to let me talk to him. You know, and yep. everybody out there in podcast land knows that Ron's not going to pay top dollar. Right? That's so right. You're not dealing with the top guy, right? But you're not dealing with the bottom guy either. You're probably dealing with the guy in the middle who gives you the best bang for the buck, right? Well, the insurance company wants to talk to that guy instead of the market rate, and there's probably a significant difference, probably 30, 40%, right? And then they want to negotiate a price with him. And then they want to come back to you and say, oh, by the way, you know, you have a 1% deductible because it's a win claim. So we don't owe you for, and it's 1% of the value of your buildings, not of the value of the estimates. So if you have $10 million worth of insurance, your deductible is 1% of $10 million or a million bucks, right? Yep. So had you known that in advance, you would be dealing with the market rate number because you know if you get a 40% lift because of the market rate. So these are all things that under, we understand that we help our clients navigate and protect them from you know, learning the hard way. And, and learning the hard way is, is you, know, you go ahead and you give them three bids, they take the low bid, they take the deductibles out. They take out the things that aren't covered and they say, here you go. Right. And then here you go. And that would even cover your loss. That's nah. basically where, and that's where we probably would have been on both of these. And, you know, here I have two examples of some really complicated issues. I mean, really complicated where most people would have just thrown their hands up and gone, okay, fine. I mean, I, this is not even going to work. I mean, you don't do that on a seven figure loss, but this second one, I mean, 
the deduct the insurance policy was crap anyway. It was crap. Right. I would have never had that policy. Can't believe this guy did. But the cool thing is, is that we were able to work with that policy and still get some help with replacing all of these roofs. And man, it's, I can't express, I mean, I tried to at breakfast, but I can't express really well how much stress having a professional company that understands all the ins and outs of this, that like literally even going through two of these, I still don't understand all of that stuff. Help, A, financially, it's an absolute no-brainer. I mean, I'm not going to get into the numbers, but it's an absolute no-brainer because of that lift that you were talking about in the pricing and because I'm basically getting an advocate. I mean, not a legal advocate, but I'm getting an advocate. We are a legal remedy, right? So we are licensed by the states in which we operate. So the insurance company and us are both regulated by the insurance department of that state. So immediately when you hire us, we are now looking eye to eye with the insurance company. That's awesome. Yeah. And so now we're on even footing. So we take, and you're a busy guy and all of our clients are busy, right? You know, you talk about a business, if a business has an event. You know, the first thing you need to do is to try to relocate your business and all those people who owe you money, call them up and let them know, hey, I'm back in business and you need to keep paying me my money. And while you're doing that, my team and I will be on the ground taking care of the problem. You know, and we're one of the largest companies that does this in the country and in the world. And we literally go all over the country and all over the world to do it. And, you know, on your case, in our office, you have five people that you can call to ask questions about. And, and I think that gives you a lot of comfort, too, because if me or Tommy, we spend most of our time in the field, but you have an account rep, you have you know, people here that, that care about your problem and try to get you an answer. Yeah, and in and, both and know case, about it and know right. about it which is remarkable. They're able to either answer my question or speak intelligently and understand what I'm asking and be able to get me an answer quickly, especially where, you know, on a lot of this time is of the essence and, you know, we're trying to get things done and I'm trying to get information back. And I didn't know how many people were, were working on it, but I do know that when I call the office, if I can't get a hold of Tommy and I can't get a hold of you, that Sean or somebody else there knows what's going on. They understand what's going on in my file. And this isn't their first rodeo either, which is very comforting, especially when there's something as crazy as what I was dealing with. And so, I mean, it was, it makes a very, very stressful situation. Part of the reason that I think I was as calm on the phone is that I immediately knew, you know, based on the first like three or four lines that we spoke, that you knew what you were talking about and that I didn't need to worry about this thing. It was very clear out of the gate that you had done this before. I'm not the only person in the world that the servicer didn't pay the freaking insurance bill. I got like, this is not the first time you've ever seen this and that it was going to be okay. And that was huge relief as I'm standing in my building as it's burning to the ground. I can't express how important that was. We appreciate that. And And we bring a lot of that to the equation for our clients. And, you know, one other thing that we should point out is that because we know one of the wives' tales, just like, you know, you got to get three bids to get a claim. One of the wives' tales that is out there is, well, if you hire a public adjuster, he's going to slow the claim down. It's going to take forever. And so when we were handed back your file 
after the investigation on the major fire, we closed it inside of 30 days. And the, um, the wind damage claim, we closed that inside of 30 days. Now, what lagging that is waiting on the check, but the numbers were agreed to. Yep. You had comfort that, that you knew what the budgets you had to work with were, and you could move down the road and start planning your restoration process so that you could get back into business. Absolutely. And if anyone thinks that, I can just tell you, even the slowdowns that we've had, like this check and everything else, when you're done, you really weren't done. I don't have the check. I know Tommy and Sean and somebody else are all working on this check, which is ludicrous. This is the, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Like it's clear. We sent them over the HUD. We sent them an email from the banker that was paid off saying, we don't have any interest in this loan. And they still email back and go, yeah, we need the, uh, re- the lien release, recorded lien release. We're like, dude, it's COVID. We may not see that till next year. I don't know when we're going to get that. You had it from the banker on the banker's letterhead, and that wasn't good enough. They needed I to mean, see. It's almost like I'm working with the government here. you know. And so you want to talk about slowing down a file. It isn't you guys that slowed down the file. In every single instance that we went through this, it was another entity slowing down the process. And as soon as that entity gave an answer or let you guys go, you ran. And I think I'd like to just really quickly, I'd like to chat through what things do you actually do? Because we've talked about two things, right? Not everybody listening here owns an apartment building, obviously. There are a lot of people who own businesses and other things. Like, What do you work on as world claim that somebody, if they're hearing this for the first time, have ever heard of a public adjuster like me, they're going, okay, next claim I have, I should look these guys up and see what's going on, how they can help me. What types of claims do you guys work on? So we are licensed and our license says that we can handle all first party property claims. So a first party property claim is a claim that you as the insured or you as the owner are making against your insurance company. You know, we talked about apparel, a fire, a wind damage claim, a tornado, a hurricane. You're making that claim. What we do not handle are liability claims, you know, slips and falls. and It's all property damage and property damage related. Okay, perfect. So, and what I gathered at the breakfast when we were meeting is that it doesn't have to be a seven-figure claim. That's right. To get involved, right? Ironically, I've, we've handled the second claim we handle for people many times is worse than the first time. You know, somebody will have a very common thing that happens is you'll have the water for your ice machine, the coil will break, right? You're away for the weekend. It always happens when you go for a weekend, you come back and your hardwood floors are all buckled and, you know, it's a mess, right? So ironically, the peril that is that insurance companies pay out the most money for every year is water damage claims. So that type of claim we handle every day, you know? And so somebody will call us and a ice machine breaks and breaks, messes up their hardwood floors. We come in and we handle the problem for them. And then lo and behold, you know, five years later, we get a call and uh, the guy owns a strip mall and I turn on the news and I see helicopters putting the fire out on the strip mall. And he yeah. said, listen, did a great job in my kitchen. I hope you can do the same thing on my strip mall. Yep. And you know, for anybody who's in real estate, I can just tell you right now, anybody who owns any real estate at all, having someone who is your advocate, and I'm happy to know that 
I can actually say now the legal advocate, because you guys are actually licensed in on the same footing as the insurance adjusters are. I think that's fantastic. I just continue to learn about this insurance thing. It's fascinating to me, especially that I've been in it, but I've had multiple claims prior to this fire that I wish I had known you guys because I got abused by the insurance companies and I didn't even know it until it was over. Right. And I didn't even know what I didn't know. I wish I had known that you guys existed. And so Man, I think just being here and hearing how things turned out, which they turned out really well on both of these claims, mostly because, if not entirely, because I chose to hire you and your company and work with your team. I think you've done an incredible service just being here and explaining that there are people who do what you do, because I don't think the majority of the population knows it. Well, we appreciate the forum because you know you're talking to people every day that are our kind of people, you know, folks that own and manage and and sweat their own deals, right? Yep. And that's really the people that we appeal most to because you know, in big corporations, you know, big big corporations, they have in-house people that can do what we do. But I just was in a thing the other day, a small business, quote unquote, a small business in our state, state of Georgia, is up to 300 million right? They break them up into categories. And the second tier of a small, quote unquote, small business is a business up to say $10 million, right? That's your annual number. That's probably where our customer base exists for the most part. I mean, we've represented airport authorities and port authorities and hospitals and things like that. And we do that as part of our normal course of business. But the average client that we uh, work for, or as a guy who you know, owns and manages his own apartment complexes, strip malls, rental home fleet, you know, those type of things. And you know, he's used to being out there and slugging it out with tenants and vendors and so on. So he knows what things cost. He doesn't want to spend a lot of money. He wants to get the problem solved as quick as possible. And we understand that you know, curb appeal and occupancy is what our clients, particularly in the rental side of the world, are looking for. So we get in there, we try to get the adjuster to agree to the scope of the work. We do all of our own estimating. And then once we get the scope of the work, which is that second component of the claim agreed, then our clients clear to move forward and do the work, clean it up, start doing gutting it out, knowing that he's got a check that's going to be coming shortly thereafter that represents what he should be paid for what he lost. And it's fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you guys. I can't say that I'm super excited to ever have to call you again for a claim because I don't really want to do that. But if I have a claim, I will be excited to give you a call because I know you guys will handle it well. If anybody listening, Michael, wants to get a hold of you and your team, how do they go about doing that? How do they find you? So the name of our company is World Claim. And ironically enough, we're going to do a rebranding in July. So you'll see that we're going to roll that out, but we can't pull the curtain back on that yet. Gotcha. But you get nothing will change as far as our 800 number is 800 831 1331. You can reach me directly on my cell phone. I probably shouldn't, but I'll give you that 404 456 And that's the best way to get a hold of us. One other thing is we don't charge anybody to consult. So if you have a problem out there and you're not sure yeah. that, you need help and you just want a second opinion, you know, give us a call, drop us a note. We'll take a look at it. And if we can help, we will. 
What I tell our clients is 100% of the time we collect more money. And the reason that we do that is we don't get involved in claims where we can't help. If I know we can't help, then I will send you out, you know, some bullet points so that you can handle it yourself. Or I can at least say to you, if for instance, a claim was denied as, you know, initially one of these were, it was denied wrongly and we're going to get it done right. Or, you know, it was proper denial, you know, just sometimes those things happen. Right. 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 Well, I really appreciate it. I know that um, this is going to be one of our most popular episodes. I'm thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much for all your help. You and your team have been fantastic. I've said that several times, but I truly mean it. Well, thank you. Guys, if and you listen, have a challenge, uh, reach out, man. I mean, good Lord, you just got his cell phone number. So don't use that. Call his office. But if you really need him, <laughs> you can't get through. Michael's a great guy. He took my call. Got right. You know, I can't even imagine having done either one of these without you guys. Ron, like I say to my clients, right? This is the only job I've ever had uh, since uh, I was 19. I'm 60 years old right now. And I've gotten that way because I answer my phone. And the only time I don't answer my phone is when Mrs. Fusco looks at me and we're out to dinner and goes, if you answer that phone. (laughs) (laughs) And I usually text somebody and say, I'll get right back to you. Not right now. Not right now. But but soon. Hey, really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you very much. Guys, if you need help, reach out. And like always, till next time, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.